Welcome to season two of the Retail Tea Break. My name is Melissa Moore, founder of The Retail Advisor. As a consultant, mentor, trainer and lecturer, I enable retailers and makers to reach their potential through sales growth and excellence in customer experience. I'm also your host of The Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and makers to decode the myths, share stories and their insights into this industry of ours. So if you enjoy listening to The Retail Tea Break, subscribe to the podcast and share it with others in the industry too. So sit back, grab that cup of tea and listen in. Welcome to The Retail Tea Break. Today, I'm joined by a retail strategist, an innovative operations executive who is driving the strategic direction of multiple brands in a retail environment that continues to be complex and challenging. And through all this, she is ensuring that the customer is front and center of every decision. Michelle Yanez Oliveres, you're very welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be on the podcast. I'm delighted to have you considering you're the other side of the world right now. And it's lovely, I think, especially in these times to be able to reach out and speak to someone who is so passionate about the industry. So to kick us off in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which believe me is about two minutes, tell us a bit about you and your background in the industry. Absolutely. So I'm currently the head of customer experience for the Accent Group. Uh, the Accent Group is an Australian and New Zealand based footwear and uh, fashion retailer. Um, we do have a really well established wholesale business distrib uh, distributing household names like sketches and vans. Um, quite a large and dominant retail business of about 500 brick and mortar stores across about 15 banners. So you might hear the likes of um, um, you know, sketches, vans, hype, platy, those sorts of ones. And also we've got a quite a, a growing digital business, um, you know, with 30 websites as well across those banners. You say that like it's just, you know, a tiny <laughs> little business with, with a couple of shoes in. That's phenomenal. Like the brand, the overall brand, as you say, is, is amazing. It is enormous by the sounds of things. How has your past experience in the retail sector set you up for this role? It's an interesting one because my past experience, so if you look sort of rewind 15 years ago after I finished uni, I sort of, you know, was in retail. I was a casual sales assistant sort of doing the, the night shifts and the weekend shifts. And I actually was drawn to retail. I was really drawn to more of the operational side and, and being customer facing. So then I slowly started to, um, you know, progress from casual to, to assistant to store manager. Then I became an area manager and a state manager. And that's when I really got exposed to that operational side of retail management. Um, and it was always around fast fashion. So at the time, um, I was working for a female, um, female fast fashion retailer. Um, and then a couple of years fast forward, then I moved and I stayed there for a couple of years. I moved into e-commerce. Um, and I worked for an e-commerce retailer that had a global presence. They had four websites, one in sort of Europe, one in um, the US, one in Australia and one in um, New Zealand. And that's when I got exposure to e-commerce and, and all the great things about digital customer experience. And now in my current role, I'm a hybrid of the two. So I've brought together all my years of experience working in, in retail brick and mortar 
the operational side, very much customer facing, um, you know, physical presence, inventory management, all those beautiful things. And then also my couple of years in e-commerce where it was about digital customer experience, the digital landscape and all the challenges with online fulfillment. And now I've had the great opportunity to, to really bring those two together um, and then really decide well, the omni-channel experience, both retail and digital. And our current business actually has both of those really well integrated. 70% of our online orders are fulfilled from stores. So I've been quite fortunate that I can bring those two together and really help drive a great customer experience. That sounds incredible. And as you say that, you've seen this changing times, even pre-COVID, I'm sure. I presume from what you've seen that that e-com space has changed dramatically. Absolutely. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal the way that it's changed in particular in the last, I'd say, 18 to 24 months due to what's happened with the pandemic. We certainly saw in our experience that there was a huge consumer shift. It was almost like a forced shift. Um, and that fundamentally changed the way that consumers, you know, their purchasing decisions, you know, where they would actually go as, as, a, as a first point of, 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 let's just say, browsing you know historically would have been in stores and now it's online and we've actually tried to see well how can we as a business regain back that that brick and mortar consumer can we bring them back in but it just doesn't seem to be happening there's sort of like these great spikes where they do come back in um whether it be seasonal or there's just you know those big events that sort of happen um, but then they just are drawn back to digital so it's definitely it's definitely changed in my experience what we're seeing um, and I think it's for the better, actually. Yeah, I think it gives customers more choice is what we're really seeing out there, that if you want to go physical, visit a store, touch the trainer, touch the shoe, you can. But also if you want that quick fix, if you need the efficiency or if you can't get into store, a brand like yours is allowing so many operators to be able to do that in a really positive way. So you have, as you said, 500 stores covering 19 global brands, over 20 online platforms. The mind boggles. Where do you start to build a strategy to encompass all of these people and their brands? It is absolutely a daily challenge for myself. Um, so just to talk a bit, little bit about the customer experience department. Um, so we're one big department at the moment. We have about 85 people and it sort of wow. fluctuates between 80 to sometimes even just shy of 100. Um, we call ourselves a shared service, which means that we support all brands. We're brand agnostic. We don't have favourites. Um, we manage all the inbound customers across eight streams of communication. So whether it be... Um, live chat, social media, via the phone, um, email, you know, even managing everything to do with the help sites, uh, help centres, sorry, and, and all the comms touch points. Um, there's a lot. And with each of those brands, we do have the brand heads and let's just say all their key stakeholders, whether it be buying, marketing. Um, and look, it is genuinely a challenge. We, we just need to make sure that as a shared service and in terms of building strategy, that first and foremost, all of our foundations are set. So one of the big first things that I did when I first joined was making sure that we had key systems in place, processes, um, there was the right level of coverage and everyone was across the fact that we're a one size fits all, irrespective of any brand requests. Um, and, you know, we're not gonna be a dedicated uh, one team to suit many brands, we're a one team to suit all brands. Um, we communicated that and then most were very accepting. What we do have to deal with then is when you layer on 
you know, the brand messaging, the operational nuances, um, any marketing strategies, that's where it sort of, it, you know, it starts to get a little bit challenging. So in terms of strategizing, it's always going, let's make sure the foundation's right, the systems, the operations, the team, the coverage, that's all one size fits all. Everyone's comfortable with it and the business understands that we're not going to really change that at a brand level. Um, but then where we can factor in any of the brand nuances is, you know, tone of voice, um, how we show up for the customer, what channels um, that particular brand wants. As an example, at the moment for Hype and the Athletes Foot, we can offer a video call. Whereas for the likes of Hype and Subtype, which are more of the low touch brands, we don't offer a video call because they're relatively low touch. At a service level, that's when we can sort of factor in brand requirements. And actually, that's something I was going to come in on. You've obviously got a really in, interesting insight into such a key kind of category here with footwear. I was going to ask, how do the comms differ then? So you've obviously talked about, you know, different touch points for various kind of levels of footwear, price point, the way people are buying. Do you think, is there a favorite comms for customers at the moment, or is it very spread out across, as you said, chat box, video, call, email? Yeah, look, the way that we communicate with our customers um, certainly has been a process. We've evolved, we've matured. Um, I would say at the very beginning, we were, you know, quite structured and I'd say, you know, trying to go above and beyond and include as much information as possible across all the relevant touch points. So whether it be via email, via chat, via call, it was a call was heavily scripted. Um, the, e, the IVRs being the voicemails were really detailed. Um, the help centres had an overload of information. Um, and so I would say it was really text heavy. Uh, whereas since we've sort of started to, you know, shave off some of the filler words, the unnecessary points, we've really taken into consideration the way that the consumer reaches out to us. We've done a bit of assessment there and seen that's really punchy, short, sharp and sweet, we call it. Um, and so we look to then, you know, respond back to our customers in that way. So now we have these sort of things, which is a proactive chat, which pops up, which is quite punchy. How can I help? This is our policy in ideally a few sentences. We've condensed the amount of information. We're in a process of condensing the amount of information in our help centres and autoresponders. Um, so it, it's evolved over time. I love that. And it sounds super efficient. Yeah, it's punchy and it's snappy. But do you know what? If I'm having a busy day and I have a problem and I just want to jump online or jump on my phone, that's what I want as a customer. And it's nice to actually hear it's nice to hear it being used properly by a business that actually is truly understanding what the customer needs and is definitely putting the customer at the heart of everything. Because I think we've all got examples over the last couple of months of chat boxes that make you go around in circles or auto-respond emails that actually don't give you any information. And therefore you're spending so much time that you may as well pick up the phone. So it's great to actually hear that across all these brands, and again, you're doing so much for so many, but it's obviously working by the way you, you are working. And I think one of the, 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 the great learnings for us was um, we, we stood up a dedicated customer communications team within the customer experience team. So what we had was um, two dedicated team members, one copy editor and one to do more of the strategy on how to manage all the communications across the various touch points and work with key stakeholders, whether it be in e-com, um, in marketing and just and, or even bank stakeholders in retail to say, well, what information do you guys have on your touch points? And let's make sure that we do a process of alignment so we can avoid the double handling. 
modeling. Um, and then equally, we had a copy editor and, and still do have who actually reviews the copy on a continuous basis, audits regularly, make sure that the tone's correct at a brand level, and then, you know, pulls together any insights of information that's perhaps being rejected and not being effective. And then, you know, actually doing a process of re review and republishing. Sounds incredible. Now, I'm very mindful that you have an enormous team there to help you with this. If you were running a smaller retail business, so almost thinking back to when you started in your role, what advice would you give to maybe a smaller shop with maybe 10 employees total that's looking after bricks and mortar and their e-com? How could they kind of just come in on what you're talking about here? What would be the insight or maybe the key takeaways that they could actually instill today to make sure they're getting the best use of the feedback and therefore solving the problems that the customer might have? It's a really, really great question. And I think given at the moment, there's so many sort of side hustles and small businesses that are popping up. So I think it's definitely going to resonate with a lot. Um, so first of all, I'd say make sure that you've got all your autoresponders set in place. And what I mean by autoresponder is in the event that the, the customer sends you an email, automatically you want to send a response with all the key information. Maybe thank you so much for reaching out. Um, you know, call out your response time. So we're going to aim to get back to you within one, two or three business days. That sets the tone. Um, make sure that you put a link and or information about the two most important things, which is any delivery information and or returns information. If there's anything that's going on at the, in the way of a service issue or disruption, make sure that you call that out as well. Um, that's really important. You can do that via chat. You can do that via um, social, all social media, inclusive of Instagram. You can send in a, a quick auto response. Um, it can be via web form or even as, as far as updating your voicemail. Uh, what you'll see is this is going to be a natural deflector. And what I mean by deflector is the, the, the customer may be happy with the response and not choose to reach out to you again. It's quick, it's fast and it's efficient. And um, also, you know, provides great service and it also gives an opportunity for you to already frame and communicate the way that you, you want to, to to your customers. Um, second of all, it's the way that you actually collect the information. Um, we did a huge process um, in our my previous role when I worked for e-commerce at e-commerce retailer, trying it as best as possible. If you don't, if you're not ready for chat, that's absolutely fine. If you don't want to put phones, I can understand that it's a really costly service. Um, Try and avoid as best as possible emails. And what I mean by emails is an info at something.com. Yeah. Um, do a web form. Um, and I appreciate that means that you need to get a level of software or ticketing solution. But if you're going to invest in something after your traditional email, let it be a web form because you can improve the way that customers, um, you know, choose the information such as is it a returns inquiry, delivery inquiry, account inquiry then you can categorize it effectively and then you can start actually reporting on it and drawing key and actionable insights. Amazing information there. And actually quite achievable, not very costly, even to the kind of the smallest retailer. But I love the idea of having a form because I don't know about you, I've certainly heard more and more over the last kind of couple of months and even the last two years that customers might think they want to complain or they want to talk about something but actually it's taking a while to draw that information out. You know, is it a complaint about something is broken or damaged? Is it a complaint or even just a query? It's almost leading them down the path as, you know, what is it you want to talk to us about today? How best can we help and provide a solution? I love that idea of a form instead of, a, as you said, a general email box that you might not actually gather the information that you need from the customer. 
Exactly, Ryan. And in, in traditional email, there's no way to sort of categorize it, understand any, identify any trends. Um, so always, always recommend a web form and, and a ticketing solution when you are doing a vendor analysis and or you're just scoping out the right platform for you. And there's some that are really, really cost effective out there and economical. And there's some obviously they've got more bells and whistles. But if you're sticking with a, you know, a, a quite a, um, you know, a, a, just a, a ready starter sort of platform like a gorgeous, just make sure that they've got the right analytics that you need. And that's really just to identify my top volume drivers. Use that information then at least once a week to have to review them and go, geez, all of my customers are actually reaching out to me about my returns policy or about um, my account issues. That's where I'm going to put the most information into my autoresponder and you'll see that you won't have to invest so much time and or an additional resource to manage that volume because it will all be deflected and responded to. That's another fantastic tip. Actually, again, it's having all this data, but using it and using it consistently, as you've said, to actually make life easier. Again, I'm not always sure that retailers put two and two together there, that they they gather all this data over time or someone in the team is is kind of that's their role to gather the data, but they don't use it and then they don't act on it. Therefore, nothing gets better, whether it's for the team or it's for the customer. Absolutely right. And we um, we did a process of um, in, in my current business of uh, and, and certainly in the team uh, onboarding a data analyst for CX. Um, and we found that just that role alone was able just to, you know, really not only for us and the customer, but giving that data back to key stakeholders and saying, well, look, for your particular brand or for your particular website or even for your particular store, um, these are the actual uh, drivers, both the good ones, what's you know, driving positive outcomes and also the challenges for your, for your customer and use that information as you see fit. We're just going to present it to you um, and we're going to do things that we can within CX, such as improving the information available and or upskilling the agents or the team members on how to actually serve those customers a little bit better. Um, but yeah. In this day and age, the data is absolutely critical. I love that. So we've talked about all sorts today, strategy. We've talked about e-com. I next want to talk about something I know you're really, really passionate about. And I think it's something that's becoming more and more important, as it should be. Our teams, our internal CX and the staff and the wonderful people that we have around us. I know it's something you're really passionate about. Um, why? I suppose let's start at the beginning. Why are you so passionate about building and growing and developing an amazing team around you? It's the part of my role that fulfills me. And truthfully, it is genuinely the part of the role that fulfills me because I can come in and I can, you know, we can improve processes, continuous improvement, operational excellence, strategizing, all of that stuff definitely it's exciting and you know you always I'm, I'm very execution orientated to know that a task is being completed um, you know it keeps me going but what fulfills me is to develop people or into whether it be leadership roles or into their you know dream roles whatever it may be um, I, I absolutely love in customer experience this concept of it's a it's an entry point 
So we're quite fortunate that we have such a large store-based team that we then bring them first and foremost from the stores. Once they've done, say, example, 12 months tenure in a store, we bring them into the customer experience team. They bring their retail knowledge. We then apply some level of, you know, CX understanding to them. Um, and then they take that information and they provide the best omni-channel customer experience to our customers, um, which is fantastic. So and then, then the next step after that is once, you know, they've sort of, you know, again, tenured in CEX, maybe another 12 to 18 months, they then uh, progressed internally with, throughout the business. Only just last week, we had one of our CX team progressed into IT, another one into e-commerce and another one into marketing. And it's great because they start with the retail knowledge, then they learn about customer experience and now these are customer centric individuals who infiltrate other departments and we can continue that mission um, to be customer centric throughout the organization i love your passion like it's you're beaming <laughs> talking about this and i think it's a wonderful it's just a wonderful way to be i think yes we're all very customer centric in our organizations we want to put the customer first but what i fear and also what i'm hearing so much is that there's so many companies out there going well, hang on, it is about the customer, the customer. They talk about the customer as if they're outside the organization. But what you're really bringing back here is no, actually the customer that's inside my organization, if I can train them well, if I can look after them, look at the growth and the possibilities, as you've said, that they can have. Definitely. And, and we're really, really big on, you know, development uh, and making sure that team feels super engaged. One of the things that came out really strong in a recent engagement survey for us was um, the need for leadership training and just, you know, that they want to be challenged. They want to learn different skills in order to continue to grow, whether it be internally and externally. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly a big believer that if the right person comes through and they have a dream or a dream role that's, you know, external, we'll continue to support them. Um, it's the right thing to do. And also we know that if they're well supported, they'll produce quality work as well. And it's a win-win for both the, the team member and the organisation. Um, but definitely, um, it's a huge part of my role. Um, I would say at the moment, you know, anything to do with people development is, is, is something that I take really serious. And I think that most businesses often, it's, it's really sad to say, but in, in my experience, uh, businesses often overlook mm. um, the, the team members in customer Absolutely. experience. It's a sort of saying, well, like, and I've, this is actually what I've heard, um, you know, quote, you're just answering com customer complaints over the phone, that's as good as it gets for you. And they really don't understand the value they bring, whether it be customer retention, whether it be uh, pushing the customer through checkout, whether it be um, speaking to a customer over the phone and then sending them to the right store to pick their favourite pair of shoes. Like they, the businesses invest so much money in acquiring or trying to acquire a customer and get the sale that often they don't see the team who are looking at pushing them through the the final mile or ensuring that they come back and we need to nurture that team we need to make sure that they're well taken care of because they they are the team that are actually pushing that customer through and retaining them absolutely they're a huge part of the sales team to me even though they're not physically on the shop floor some of them they are very much the front line of the business you know they are the voice of the business they represent the business to most of the customers um I love your passion for this so in that respect and you're probably going to hate this question if I dropped you into a retail store or with a brand tomorrow that had really poor kind of maybe retention when it came to staff or had a really poor culture internally 
where would you start? What would you do? Um, I'm actually one of those people that give feedback. So I say, can I speak to your manager, please? Um, or I'll send through a, an email to the head office if I, I find them something that's not quite right. <laughs> um, where would I start? I would look at... Uh, I would look at, and I have before, really speaking to either the team member themselves or the store manager and just saying, you know, I'm, I'm quick to identify there's an opportunity. You know, like, hey, in that scenario, you know, I have been waiting a little moment. You know, what I would recommend in future is that you just say, hey, sorry, Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer, um, I'm actually on the phone at the moment. Can you please just hold on for five minutes and I'll be right with you? Just even, you know, giving them these, these quick notes to say, you know, appreciate you know, you haven't done this and it's not your fault potentially because it could be a lack of training, but this is what I would recommend in the future. Um, and it's giving the person an opportunity to say, oh, okay, definitely we'll pick up on that. And I hope, I'm not saying every single person will. Some people just go leave me alone, you're just a customer. Um, but often you'll get someone who goes, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So I'm always quick to identify if, if something, if there's some low-hanging fruit that you can just, you know, politely just inform the, the person where they could improve in future. And then hopefully they, they, they get to understand that, you know, it's, it's actually going to benefit them. Um, you know, they're going to come across as a, as a more well-established team member and potentially open up more opportunities for themselves. Absolutely. And I love that honesty as well. I do. I almost, I wish, and we're definitely seeing here in this part of the world, definitely a much more, I hate to say aggressive, but certainly more challenging customer who who's very expectation driven at the moment. But I do, I think in that lovely warm tone you have, there's no harm to say that to people, you know, that they haven't met your expectation, that they could have dealt with things better in a polite way. Um, so thank you for that. So the final question, and I know by the time this podcast goes out, things will have changed quite dramatically for you. So I'm going to ask this final question and I can't wait to hear the answer. What on earth is coming up for you over the next few months? Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting. As we're recording this podcast, um, tomorrow will be my last day with the Accent Group. Um, and actually my last day, more importantly, with, with retail and e-commerce. Um, it's absolutely been an, a fantastic journey. And I actually said to my current um, manager, I said to him, I just, I never saw myself leaving retail. I'm, I'm No, retail we've driven you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I love it. And everything I do is always with 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 um with that passion and drive. And even, you know, when I go into stores, it's always with that sort of motherly feel, I feel. Um, but yeah, I'm moving now into uh, as a startup where it's all about developing leaders, um, giving them the right tools and resources that they need to to make sure that they're effective in the workplace um, and that they're confident as well. I think it's all about chronic building network. Um, you know, getting the right um, access to tools and resources that you may not have within your organisation. And then also just the, the confidence that it can bring to them as well um, to better be effective in their roles. Um, and it's really within the tech industry and it, it's targeting Gen Z and, and millennials. So it's the part of my role in the past couple of roles that I have previously that I love that fulfills me. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to join. And I start that in about a week and a week and a half. This is amazing. And I'm delighted for you because I know you're obviously so passionate about training, but it's lovely to hear as well the whole Gen Z aspect. I think generation that has missed out on a bit, it's a generation that hasn't been taught or even been around 
the human connection, the human skills aspect that a lot of us maybe grew up with or our parents had or our schooling had with empathy and the integrity and communication. So it's brilliant to hear that you're kind of going on this confidence boost for them to deliver incredible training and also for an industry that really needs it. I think our schooling and our education drives tech but we don't necessarily drive the confidence piece or the human skills. So it's wonderful to hear that you're going to be joining an organization to do this. Yeah. And what I've, I've certainly seen in my experience is that Gen Z and, and millennials and more so Gen Z, they're demanding it. Absolutely. They're saying like you, they know exactly what they want. They know exactly what they need to get to where they want to go. Uh, and one of those is is, is confidence and, and network and, you know, now being tapped. They're, they're digital natives. They know exactly how to connect in the digital landscape, but then applying that in the workplace, um, it's just giving them the right frameworks and making sure that they're, they're confident and they can lean off each other. And, and the exciting part about this role as well is potentially the way that we would be producing some of that content. You know, it could be bite size, it could be webinar, it could be series, it could just be on-demand content such as an article or a blog. Um, it's going to be quite diverse. So I'm really looking forward to it. Amazing. Well, best of luck with the new role. I'm so excited to see where it brings you. And I'm sure we'll have you back at some stage in the future to let us know how you're getting on. So if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please do hook up with either Michelle or myself on LinkedIn. Um, keep an eye for all her news on her new role. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, as I said, please like, subscribe and share this podcast with people within our industry. So until next time, Michelle, thanks so much for joining me on the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you so much for having me.